We are continuing where we left off. It is um, it's July 5th, 2020, and we're continuing with our Thought of the Week and Prayer. Our Thought of the Week comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you who were dead in your transgressions and sins, we are certainly not like God. We are separated from his holiness by our natures, which produce the most offensive and vile behaviors. What is worse, we don't realize we are offensive to God. One result of this is we may not pay close attention to God's attitude and solutions for our problems. When this is the case, we will not respond properly to God's sense. We may have our own ideas of sinfulness and depend on human solutions. Human solutions are no solutions at all since they are made in the dark. God is the only one who can tell us what satisfies his perfect righteousness. Therefore, we must look aside from our supposed solutions, the ones that seem right to us, and see God's accurate view of sin and judgment. With the way some conduct themselves, you would think that the, their standards of righteousness are higher than God's. Although none would admit this, they demonstrate this by ridiculing God's solution as inadequate. All of us who begin as sinners should abandon our assumptions as soon as the light of God's view is understood. I thank God for loving us enough to tell us the truth about our condition in writing. Okay. This is our thought of the week, and I'm going to turn the service over to Dwight for prayer. Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, what a wonderful message that was. Um, before I go ahead and continue with the prayer, are there any special requests? Just I have a note here that from last week somebody mentioned a granddaughter um, who had COVID-19. Yes, uh, uh, is there any thank you, Dwight. Uh, at, at this sitting, she is better, still quarantined. Thank you. All right. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, dear Dad, you are with us and in us, and your inheritance that you have guaranteed to us is with us. Let us always be mindful of the beautiful gift that we've been given, and let us seek to understand it full breadth and depth and height so that we can fully understand what God has given us in transferring us, transforming us into the image of Christ completely so that when God sees Christ, he sees us and we are sons of God. I pray for um, our church, the Word of Truth Church, those on the call and those affiliated with the church, um, I pray that we would all have strength to make, to exercise our relation in pursuing God diligently, knowing that he will reward us uh, for our pursuit. And the pursuit, the rewards are even given along the way as he gets more and more of himself. And we just find more and more of the beauty in everything that he's given us. Let us not look to our own solution for the problems that we have in our search. Let us understand that what God has done for us on our behalf far surpasses anything that we could think or imagine. And let us rest entirely on God. I pray for the churches around the world um, who are also seeking you, that we can all be one, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I pray for our, our family, health and welfare, especially at this 
unusual year of 2020 with the COVID-19 virus spreading around and, and all kinds of things happening. Um, we ask for your protection so that we can continue to uh, focus on you. And we would pray that we could encourage each other with these words, that our hearts would be enlightened to know the inheritance we have. And I pray that um, during this call, we have an opportunity to pay close attention to what you have commanded us and, and the love that you have expressed to us and let us fully grasp that. And, um, I, I pray that these words would be given to Doug as he, as he teaches us and let us be um, students in humility and with all eagerness. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Dwight and Fred. Amen. We're going to continue. It is, um, you have notes, and we have uh, John fourteen twenty three in front of us in your notes. We have these words. The spiritual life can be challenging. Growing in grace and knowledge requires that we go through a transformation process. This process will gradually change us from inside out. It is a daily pursuit of in learning the plan step by step. There are no shortcuts and we are always on unfamiliar ground. We must admit that our destiny is out of this world. Day and night we struggle with humility and allowing the spirits leading and grappling to live up to the light that has been shown on the path before us. Going through the failures and recoveries make us feel stained at times, but we should know that it is absolutely necessary to grow. The wrestling with unseen forces and doctrines of demons is complex, and we must always remember where our power lies. In all of this, we find there are precious promises along the way. God promises to be with us, and even in us. The Father and the Son, through the indwelling Spirit, attend our every experience with, on the battlefield. God has always been here for us, but these verses speak of a level of intimacy unparalleled in human history. So... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's in Philippians 4, 6. So we are headed to John fourteen twenty three, which uh, is, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. I'm going to try to understand that verse, hopefully. Uh, we'll take it verse by verse. Let's look at point number one. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. First point is we are back to the condition of love. Love is a product of sustained volition toward God. Love may be a mental disposition, but it is seen by our actions. So hopefully from all the discussion already about love, we have to look at it a little bit more. And obviously we want to because of the question asked by Judas in the previous verse. Love is a part of the answer to the question. So Jesus, he goes back right there. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So in John 14, 31, we saw this. Uh, we may flip around quickly here in the Bible. So if you're there, John 14. And Jesus says, but, the, uh, but, the, but he comes so that the world may learn. And here it is, that I love the Father. This is the phrase in, in particular here. I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So when Jesus was in our shoes, so to speak, 
that's how he functions. He loved the Father, and he demonstrated that by doing exactly what the Father has commanded him. Imagine if Jesus said, I love the Father, but he didn't go to the cross. Or if he said, I love the Father, and the Father wants me to go to Jerusalem, but I'm not going to Jerusalem. I'm going to go where I want to go. Or if he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, uh, Father, let this cup pass from me, and he refused to drink it. And he didn't say, nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. So it is important that we know what the Father's plan is before we are able to love it. If we don't know what it is, we can't love it. So in John 14, 31, we see that. That love, it, it may be a mental disposition, but it is seen by our actions. We have seen it in Christ. Now, if you go to John three sixteen, there it is again, right? So uh, it says, For God loved the world, uh, that he, he so loved the world that he gave his only his one and only Son. So this is God the Father, right? This is God is saying, God the Father is saying, I love the world. This is my disposition of mine. This is how I think. Uh, and really, he's talking about the plan of salvation. He loved the world. So what did he do? What was the action? Love is the disposition. What's the action? He gave his one and only Son. He sent him over to judgment for us all. He sacrificed him as an offering of judgment for us all. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this is, like we were saying, the disposition of love and the action that is also seen by it. So it's interesting to see that John 3.16 deals with that. First John 316 if you if you're somebody who likes numbers and first John 316 says something very similar this is I'm reading now I'm already there this is how we know what love is I think this is interesting to know if we're wondering what is love right Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So get this. So in John 3.16, we saw the Father, his disposition of love. And what did he do? He sent, he, he sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And uh, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we, we were talking about this yesterday. I think it was me and Mike talking about this thought of God to judging the world in Christ and and think about it this way as well Christ endured tremendous cost to uh, receive the penalty of our sins and not only that he had to go through all that it took to get to the cross the cross that is <laughs> and to be judged where the father imputed the sins of the world to Christ and then judged them it took a lot for him to do that just note but then on on the other hand we know Christ had to endure it and all that what did it must have caused the father a lot of grief as well in order to have to send his son to put him uh, as a judgment for us all you know what did that love love Something greater in his mind was love. And love caused him to execute the plan, which was to send Christ to the cross and to impute the sins of the world to him. That had to be hard. Just as hard, I would imagine, as for Jesus to have to have been the one to endure the punishment of all of those sins. So moving on uh, to point number two, faith may struggle with the follow-through of producing the desired fruit, but love has the proper knowledge and wisdom to execute the plan. So when we think about faith, walking by faith and all of that, which it has its ups and downs, 
as I said in the opening, we fail, right, often. <clears throat> but often our failures, if you're a student, is a learning experience. Hopefully you're a student of the Word and you're evaluating yourself before God, where you're able to uh, execute the plan or fail at executing the plan. Faith vacillates. Love, on the other hand, is equipped, it's mature, and it, it has within it the commitment and the buy-in. That's why, for this, if you love me, then this. If you love me, this is why we're at this place. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Right? This, is what, this is not saying you should obey it. He's saying you will. If you love me, you will obey it, because you're on the same page with me. It is not a matter of, you know, believing it. Jesus pleaded with the disciples, believe me when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He said, they didn't believe it. He's saying you ought to believe it or else, at the very least, believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. This is the Father living in me. I'm telling you this. But when it comes to love, it is about they're embracing the Father's plan. They're knowing that this is true and they're on board with it as well. So moving forward then, oh, there's the scripture in John 15. Let's turn to that. John 15, 9 and 10. Let's kind of illustrates it as well. 15, and what is that? 9 through 10. Okay, so... As the Father has loved me. So notice the progression of how this works. The Father loves me. How does the Father love Christ? Well, he's the one that sent him into the world to be the Savior and all of that, right? That's how the Father loved Christ. He put him in his plan. And he recognized that all things were given to the Son. He loved him. So I have loved you. So Christ is saying, just like the Father loves me, I'm loving you. Well, what does that mean? You are in the plan. You are in me. You're here in the world. You have a destiny to live. So now he says, now remain in my love. That's verse 9. Verse 10, if you keep my commands... You will remain in my love. Now, remaining in the sphere of his love is to say that you are on board with what he said. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at that. Abiding in Christ. Right? Uh, keeping my commands. Right? Obeying my teaching. Right? All of this is a part of how it works. And then there's this one scripture that says, verse 7. I know I'm skipping around. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Ah, see, now there, there it is. There's, the, there's, there's some of it there because how does, do his words remain in you? Right? It has to be a volitional thing where you choose to keep those words, to guard them as precious in your heart. As pearls of great price. What Christ says is important. He says, if you keep, if you follow my instructions, if you keep my commands, if you, if you, if you keep my teaching, right, this demonstrates that you love me. So, verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. See, so it sort of dovetails into what happens with the Father. What happened with the Father in Christ is the same thing that happens with us in Christ and by extension, the Father. So that's an important passage, I would say, to make sure we understand how we, we focus on, even through the struggle that faith has, love is much more consistent because we're invested now. We don't have to fight between Adam's reality and the reality of Christ. Love says, I'm on the board. I'm on board with Christ's reality. That is who I am. There is no conflict about 
identity. I already know who I am and I love the Father's plan. So, point C in our notes. Love comes with full knowledge, wisdom of the Father's plan. Now, this further, I know we went through Ephesians. I promise you we won't get stuck here today, even though it's hard. So much here. But we're going to pick at this particular point and see how Ephesians 3, 17 through 18 satisfies it. It comes with the full knowledge of wisdom and of the Father's plan. 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. There it is. Rooted and established in love. That's important. That's the key here. Uh, this is what the Holy Spirit being in you, being strengthened according to his glorious riches, brings you to. That you may be rooted and established in love. What's that? What is that? That's the, the desire, the motivation, the adoration of the Father's eternal purpose, his plan. And verse 18, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp what? So the power is for you to understand. The grasp, grasp means to understand, to apprehend, to grab hold of something. And what is it that we're grabbing hold of? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And it should be the love for Christ. So that's what we're apprehending. The love for Christ. Right? And this is the Father's love for Christ. Right? We, that we come face to face with that. We understand that. What is high how, how wide and long and high and deep. That is the dimensions of the Father's eternal person, purpose. That is the manifold wisdom of God that has been kept hidden for ages and past generations, but it is now revealed to us. It takes love to understand that. It takes power. That you will have enough power in order to understand, right? So notice the power doesn't make you glow. Doesn't make people fall over in your presence. But it does enable you to understand something that is beyond human. What is this? The Father's eternal purpose, which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for us who love him. And this love is demonstrated here, right? This is part of it. It comes with, it comes with knowledge and wisdom right? that you can grasp the dimensions of the Father's eternal purpose. That's the, 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 the high, the, the deep, the, the wide, and all of that. Well, we might as well read verse 19. And to know this love. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about love. We're talking about the mature status quo of love, how love has been made perfect in this person, how that it surpasses knowledge. Well, it goes beyond any human knowledge that there is. We already discussed that. You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We could talk about that. But I promise I won't get stuck here, so I'm going to move on. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Point D in our notes. Remember the power for this execution is the spirit of truth. Remember this. We are only following his lead. And this is Romans 3 through 5. <clears throat> Don't think that this motivation comes from you. I know you, you, you're probably thinking, yeah, I, I've come. No, it's, it's a synergy we talk about between you and the spirit. The spirit leads, you follow. Spirit leads and guides you say, yes, I will, I will go down the road with you. So five, three through five says, not only so, this is after we get saved, right? We stand in grace. By, we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
Verse 3, not only so, there's more to the spiritual life than salvation, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope is faith matured. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, here it is, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. That means profusely poured out into our hearts through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So that love is important. It's a part of our disposition now, if it's been poured out in our hearts. It's now a part of who we are. And it, But it comes, notice, it doesn't come automatically. And once we're saved, we have this love in our hearts. No. Notice all the... The progression of spiritual growth. Notice how spiritual growth is depicted in Romans 3 through 5, 3 through 5. It, suffering, perseverance, character, hope. Right? These are things that we have to struggle with in our spiritual growth. It's not something that automatically happens. And we have to be volitionally cognizant of the Spirit's leading and acquiesce to it as well. We cannot be resistant because we will grieve the Spirit and quench Him. He can't do His job on us. All we have to do is say we are willing to go. That's the synergy. We don't, we don't bring anything to the table. We don't say, yeah, I, that was a good point, Holy Spirit. Let me show you one that I have and I've been thinking about. No, no we don't have anything. We don't bring anything to the table but our humility and our volitional choice to say, yes, we will follow. We will allow you to lead us into all truth. That's the synergy. I mean, it is certainly uneven, right, when you think about what he has to do and what we do. But, I mean, yeah, the part of it is allowing our life to ebb away in this world. Because he keeps taking pieces of who we are. Till eventually we are no longer. We, and we realize those scriptures it says you are dead. You're, you're dead and, and that's put the death of, therefore. You are dead. We realize that experientially. And it's Christ who lives in us. So that's important uh, to remember uh, where the power comes from to execute what we what we know to be truth first of all we know to be truth that's the holy spirit and that's our humility the power to execute that is his influence in our lives influence is power we're only following the leader of the holy spirit point e love is the result of spiritual growth uh, and if i go to first john chapter four I, I know this is, you say, oh yeah, we already said this, yeah, I know. So if you go to 1 John four seventeen, it says, this is how love is made complete among us. So, so notice, love is not something that happens automatically. It is, it is not something we trip into. It's something that we grow into. And growth requires a lot, what we just saw in Romans. That's, salvation doesn't take perseverance and character and, and struggle and all. Salvation doesn't take. Salvation is free. It doesn't cost us anything but of one choice, one volitional decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we, we are saved. But the love requires a lot before the Holy Spirit can pour out his spirit in our heart. The, this love, and then we have that as our disposition, our mindset. So 417, this is how love is made complete. And that word, complete, is telios. That's the same word we have when we talk about growing to maturity. Telios. Or telio-o, right? So which is the noun and the verb. This is how love is made complete among us, so that when we have 
we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. How are we like Jesus? We love the Father's plan. And we have an opportunity to execute the Father's plan. Just like Jesus said, and I love the Father, and the world must know that I love the Father, and I do exactly what the Father has uh, told me to do. Why does he say the world must learn? I, always, I kept thinking about Why does he say the world must learn? Because Christ came into the world. It was important for the world to know who he was. That he is the light of the world. He's coming into the world. He's the one who was the source of life. He gave all men life. This is John 1. All men derived life through this person. This is the creator of all things. And he now is walking into the world. And not only that, he's the savior as well of all mankind. There's no other name under heaven given than the one we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. How important is he? So if we're like him, then we have to make our entrance into the world the same way. We have been sent. We are part of who he is. Now we can have the same attitude as he had. In fact, that's what Philippians said. We ought to have the same attitude as that of Christ. Although he was in nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be seized and held, but made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You know the rest. We need to take that attitude. We're here so that the world may know that we have been sent as well. So verse, in this world we are like Jesus. So verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. There it is again, the word to lie us. Perfect love drives out fear. Mature love. So love has to grow. Just like we're growing spiritually, our love has to grow. And our love is where Christ takes over in our hearts. It drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It comes back to our Romans passage where it says God has not given us the fear, right? He says when we receive the Spirit, we are not afraid and slaves to fear. That's not the disposition we have. We have the disposition of love. And this is the mindset of God. We have it. Then this is what he's saying. Christ is saying if you have that, it drives out fear. You, it does, fear can't stay in the same place. They are mutually exclusive. Love and fear. Love embraces the destiny that God planned for your life. Love is fully cognizant of who you are in Christ and what you're doing down here. Fear is like, I don't know what's going on. i got to find my way. The world is, is daunting. It's a place of of torment it's it's a battle you know you don't know what you're going to do from one minute to the next love you know what you're going to do love when you wake up in the morning you know what your destiny is you know what your identity is all right let's keep going let's keep going uh so it's the result of spiritual growth hopefully you see that using from the words that are used love made perfect oh you get to the point where your love can get to can, can get to a place of maturity. That's where God wants us. That's where he wants us to be. All right, so Jesus replied, anybody who loves me, anyone who loves me, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. A couple points on my Father will love them. This is point number two in our notes. The Father will reciprocate. If you love me, Jesus is saying, the Father will love you. It's clear that the teaching is the key. Jesus is saying that the teaching you hear is not mine, it's the Father. It's his words. So if you love me, you love him. And John, first John has a lot of that, right? If you reject the Father, 
then you don't have the son. If you have the son, then you don't, if you reject the son, you don't have the father, right? This is First John, a lot of that back and forth in First John 2. And it's true, I mean, this is how it works, right? So God is, Father is saying, I'll reciprocate. I'll, being loved by the Father is acknowledgement, and the reward is to take up residence in us, positionally. Now, Ephesians 4, 6, it says that the Father is in us. Let's just read it. I, I know we've talked about the Father in us, but we haven't actually read it. So Ephesians 4, 6 says this. This is one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So there, in all, says that the Father indwells every believer. He's not talking about everyone in the world. Everyone in the world is not a believer. right? And everyone in the world doesn't fit all of these ones, one Lord, one faith, one that, you know. This is specifically, exclusively, for church-age believers. But the Father indwells us. Now, I say positionally, right, because you may not know it, that this is true as a believer in Christ, but, and experientially, and this is a verse we're actually reading, John 14, 23. It talks about the fact that the Father will come and to them and make our home with them. Just like, this is further explanation for Judas. Remember, Jesus said it before in context. You know, I'm going to turn back to John just to get exactly what he said. I don't want to misquote him. Yeah, so, so here he says from 1420, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 22, Judas says, tell me more. Give me more detail. Jesus replied, verse 23, anyone, anyone who loves me will be obeyed, will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And, and further detail, and we will come to them. We will come to them and make our home with them. So just, so we get more detail. That's experiential. Jesus says, I will, I will show myself to you. Verse 21. On verse 20, and on that day you will know. Right? So this is cognizance, conscious knowledge, or experiential knowledge. The Bible says we are righteous the moment we believe in Christ. He took our sins, right, and we receive his righteousness. This is he took our sins at the cross. But that is now applied right, to us, and we receive his righteousness. But that's positionally. But experientially is for us to walk in that righteousness, walk in the life, put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4. So this... Experience, this positional and experiential, you have to understand how this works. Because the, just because you're a believer and you receive the imputation of righteousness does not mean you behave in a way that is righteous. Or that you even know how to behave. But God credits to your account righteousness apart from work. So it doesn't have to do with you experiencing and learning what it means to walk in truth and righteousness. But notice, these things do exist as potential for us. We're positionally righteous the moment we believe in Christ. Potentially, we can experience righteousness by, by walking in that uh, endowment from God. Point B. Let's keep moving. Before we can execute the plan, we must know it. And come to love it. So there, that's pretty obvious. And I think we already stated that. It is important to know what the plan You can't love the plan if you don't know what the plan is. And to know the plan means you have had the humility to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into that revelation. Because you certainly didn't know it. 
we didn't have any knowledge, any previous knowledge of the plan, of what God expects of us, or who he is, or what he's made of us, or what it means to be in Christ, or even the understanding of what it is to be in Christ. We had no knowledge. But for you to come to the knowledge of this already, wherever you are in this, on the path to your spiritual growth, the Holy Spirit had to be active in every step of the way. You have to come to know it, and then you have to come to love it. And the Holy Spirit is there. Remember, not only did the Holy Spirit lead and guide you into all truth, right? enlighten you to what it is so you can make those decisions, but he's the one who sheds love abroad in your heart as well, as we read Romans 5.5. 5. And the Father is certainly aware of our progression and spiritual growth and responds. I want to turn to John 17 for this one. 22 and 20. It uh, should be 23. Uh, I have 24 there. I don't know why. Or is it 23 and 24 is what it is. Just like it says. 23. I and them. So this is, hopefully, I don't even have to tell you the context we we already said it so many times you know in 20 and if i go through all that we're gonna totally miss the whole point of this so 23 says i in them and you and me these are the dynamics of the spiritual life the baptism of the spirit so that right this notice it's given a reason and a purpose for that so that they may be brought into complete unity. That unity is oneness. We're going to be one, not only with the Father, but with the Son. If you look at 21, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me. Same, so just so you know, we're talking about this dynamic relationship that we have in the church age. It may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and notice and have loved them even as you have loved me. So we said that loving Christ is the Father putting them into or acknowledging that they are in the plan. Just as he acknowledged that Christ was in the plan. That you have loved them even as you have loved me. So no less love on us. Because we are an integral part of the plan. Just as Christ is. In fact, there can't be any sons brought into glory. If there are no sons. In fact... None can be conformed to the image of his son if none are conformed, if none are called. So we are just as important to the plan as Christ is. I, I know you, that sounds blasphemous to even for it to come out of my lips. But it's true. If that's the Father's eternal purpose, to bring many sons into glory, and he doesn't do it, well, it defeats the purpose. Either he didn't have enough power or ingenuity or, or knowledge and wisdom to do it. Or somebody failed. Christ failed. Something happened. But it's not good. So we are part of the plan. It's important. When he says he loved us even as he loved Christ, that's to say we're just as important to him because we are important to the plan. That's an important verse. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. See this? Loved me before the creation. This is, this is the plan that the Father has for all things. It involved Christ. And in the previous verse, it says that you love, that you have loved me, love them, even as you have loved me. 
there's going to be much more said about these verses later. I'll leave it at that. What's our time? We'll go, go to point number three. And we will come, well, let's just read the whole thing. And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. First point of number three is Jesus and the Father will come to them. That is, to the one who loves and executes their eternal plan. So it's, this is this is the result of what we have said love. And we said there were other conditions too, where the Holy Spirit, you know, Christ has to die, go through death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and session, and then they're going to send back the Holy Spirit. And, and all of this has to happen in sequence. This is not like... The disciples said, okay, I got it now. And, and, and now that I believe it, you're, it's, it's working. It's not working until the Holy Spirit comes. There are things. We covered all that. just wanted to remind you. Yeah. It's, you have to execute the plan. That's what love says. Love says, you don't even, in fact, you don't see love here unless you see it followed by obedience execution acquiescence to what the teachings of the church are it's important it's a part it's a part of love and and then now we're seeing the results <clears throat> point b will come to them and this is for the purpose of dwelling or living in them in the same way jesus was aware of his father's presence so that one, <clears throat> that's the one who loves him, will also know their, their, that's the Father and the Son, their presence. What, what do we, John fourteen ten? I say, how do I figure this out? Is by looking at what was already said, fourteen ten. Jesus says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Question mark. Don't you believe it? Now, did Jesus know that he was in the Father and the Father was in him? And he was saying, <clears throat> there's evidence of this that the disciples should have known. And he was questioning, don't you, don't you, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you believe? Believe me when I'm telling you this, verse 11. When I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus knew it. He understood there was a presence that Jesus could completely know. It wasn't he wasn't ignorant. He didn't say, I think the Father's in me. I hope it is. I hope he's in me. He knew it. And he displayed that the Father was in him. Let's finish verse 10. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father. He didn't say the Father. He told me what to say here. He says it's the Father living in me. Living. This is the same thing that we get from when I will come to them and I will dwell in them. I will live in them. This is our verse. This is going to happen to us. So in the same way Christ understood it, we will understand it. We will sense the Father's presence. We will be aware of his presence. And just like he's telling the disciples, you will know it. He says, don't you know this is true? You should know this. And he says, rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing the work. What work is this? This is the, the, the work of the church age. The spiritual dynamics of the church age being displayed right there in Christ for us. And he turns around and 10 verses later and tells us that's going to happen to you. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. You will come. This is point B now. We'll come to them. Right? 14.10. It's an important way that we pivot to 
how does this look on us? Right, 14.10. Point C, the influence of the Father's plan comes from the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10, which came from the Lord, which comes from the Father. Notice the dovetail progression of where that knowledge comes from. One of the things we can know from that is that every one of them is employed together as one in the same purpose in bringing us this knowledge. I must turn to 1 Corinthians. Uh, I almost feel like we covered this so much it should be second nature to us. <clears throat> so we already talked about in verse 9, however, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, etc. The things that those prepared for those who love him. These are the things, verse 10, God has revealed to us, and here it is, by his Spirit. Spirit searches all things, and notice what kind of things we're talking about, the deep things of God. The deep things of God. So, so notice, the influence of the Father's plan comes from the Spirit. Right? We don't get this information unless the Holy Spirit gives it to us. We have to be accepting, humble, so that we can receive it from the Spirit. Some people refuse to believe it when they hear it. They're like, no, that's foolishness. No way will I believe that. It's foolishness. So, we, so there's conditions on our part as well in order even to learn what it is. Never mind the love part. But it takes a mature mindset to come to love it and to get the fullness of it. Yeah, it comes, so there's this progression. Each member of the Trinity is engaged in bringing this information. The Father planned it, the Son executed it, and the Holy Spirit reveals it. I know you've heard that before. Point D, this is where God found us. I, I just want to, we want to talk about the influence of the Spirit in our lives we have to acknowledge where God found us. What do we bring to the table? Uh, if we don't acknowledge this, we will take glory to ourselves. You know what we will say? We'll say, well, we're pretty smart. We know, the, we know this eternal purpose. How much of this is us and how much of this is God the Holy Spirit? <laughs> All of it is God the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't know these things otherwise. Because I can't see it and no ear has heard it. No human mind has conceived it. You can't know this. None of this is about your knowledge, your previous knowledge. It is all about your humility and submission to God in order to receive it. You know nothing of this. You cannot take any glory in this. The same humility that got you to understand this is the same humility that will perfect love in you for this. So just a quick trip down this road of where you are. Scripture in Romans 3. Uh, we'll quickly read it and move on. 3, 9. What should we, what should we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. He, who's he talking about? He's talking about us. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have to, together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's where God found us. Yeah, yeah, it keeps going, right? Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. The, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift, swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways in the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's talking about us. It's where God found every one of us. I don't care how religiously sadity you were or how many times you went to church before you got saved or whatever you did. 
religiously. This is where God found you. And this is who you are. And then there's Ephesians. We have to round it out with some testimony from Paul. In Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You are those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's, what, that's where God found. What, can, what glory can we take to ourselves? So one righteous thought. Just one. If that's all you ever had, that one came from God the Holy Spirit. None of it is us. So when we talk about the influence, the understanding of the mystery and the, the deep things of God, all that, we are talking about spiritual realities that God the Holy Spirit had to bake into us. Because we didn't have it. We don't have the, the mental acumen to be able to understand these things. What does the world say to this? Foolishness. That's what the world says. They can't understand it because they refuse. They, they don't have the ministry of the Spirit. So how can they understand Things which are spiritually discerned. I can't understand it. So Romans 12, stop being conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So all of, everything about who we are is the influence of the Spirit. And our, where we are in our spiritual growth has directly bears upon our volition to allow the Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. It's important that we see it that way. So that way we can continue to be humble and receive from God. We don't know where He's leading us and we have to have that, that mindset so that we can receive more from God. Last point. It says that, that they would make our home with them. This is accomplished through the indwelling temple and our love for the plan. They will live with us in Christ. This is Ephesians 2.21, another analogy. So it's already in Ephesians uh, 2.21. In him, the whole building, building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 22 as well. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives, there it is, by his spirit. So we talked about how does God indwell, how, does the, how is the Father in us and Christ in us? It is by means of his spirit. That's how they live in us. Remember, what we brought to the table, nothing. What God has done for us, he's called us from eternity past. He's equipped us in time, brought us to the knowledge of salvation, and now he's bringing us to the full knowledge of the truth. We're going to have to quit. We're past our timing. Let's bow our heads as we close. We'll continue next week. Thank you, Father, for this privilege of your sovereign choice in us. And we had no understanding of this, and we thank you profusely for what you've done. We have nothing but admiration for Christ and for your eternal purposes. We thank you for those who are here and those who are coming to the knowledge of the truth, those who are, who are discovering who they are as they are being led by God the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this. We thank you for your gifts that are part of uh, the common good for, for the body. 
we, we thank you, Lord, that you've placed us in the world at this particular time. We have a voice. We pray that you, you can use us in the world as witnesses to, and heralds to, to this glorious gospel and coming to the full knowledge of truth. All of this we ask in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. 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 All right. So just we'll round out a little bit with uh, our closing and we will our benediction as it may the grace of God surround you may his light direct your path may his spirit lead and guide you as the weeks and months go May your joy be full of the love that heals thy praise. As you obey his call, remember most of you're a child of the King. May the peace of God 